Spoilers for Psycho. 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 So, Psycho. Psycho. That's a Hitchcock film, isn't it? It is a Hitchcock film. However, it's not a Hitchcock... When is a Hitchcock film not a Hitchcock film? When it's directed by Gus Van Sant. (laughs) Welcome to Art Cinema Fart Cinema. I'm Nadim. I'm Simon. And this is a podcast in which we talk about crap movies. This week's crap movie is Psycho. But not the Psycho everyone knows and loves. This is a remake of (gasps) Psycho. (laughs) In which can only be described as a Hitchcock up. This is a remake of Psycho that came out in 1998. Psycho, of course, tells the story of Marion Crane, who is a woman who... uh, If you haven't seen the original Psycho, right, stop this episode right now and watch it. You do not want this this movie spoiled for you. It is... I think it's your favourite film, isn't it? It's my number one. I think it's probably up there with... It's probably top five for me, Psycho. I love Psycho. So Psycho is about Marion Crane, who steals a bunch of money from her employer goes on the run, ends up in a mysterious motel in which she encounters a mysterious man called Norman Bates who is, seems to be haunted by his mother. What's, what's, what's the mom called? Mrs. Bates. Mrs. Bates. <laughs> Mrs. Bates. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Bates and Master Bates, they are like a kind of unsettling presence in the film. And then, of course, in it, what in a scene, again, spoilers, I, I, it feels dumb having to say spoilers, but... In the scene that everyone knows, Marion is then murdered about a third into the film in the shower, in the in, in the infamous, famous, amazing uh, shower scene in which she's hey, 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 stabbed to death. And then what happens is the narrative turns to the investigation of Marion's disappearance and then weird shit happens. And I don't actually want to spoil anymore because it's like... No, it's just. It's but you're not oh. spoiling it because we've actually ordered people not to listen to this unless right, they've seen it. You know it. what? You know what? It's at your own risk, okay? So it. <laughs> I really You've don't want to it. ruin Psycho to anyone. Do you remember the bit at the end where you find out that the mother's actually dead and it's all. He's, he's talking to himself in a funny voice and there's a brilliant scene. Like, one of the things I love about Psycho is that it breaks. It's it's just a rule breaker. It's a total rebel without a car. It's cause. a fucking. It's a rebel with a car. Anarchic. It's it's the most beautifully made piece of anarchy it's so good. I've ever uh, seen in so my life. And at the end, there's a psychiatrist who literally describes the film you've just watched <laughs> in an extended scene of exposition. The film ends on exposition that's meant to not exist in any film whatsoever. Yeah, you're not meant to do that. You're meant to and show... Actually, people hold the exposition scene against this film, against the original Psycho. Well, they're morons. They're dumb. Obviously, the whole joke is you're meant to say, what the fuck is this film doing? This is amazing that it's getting away with this. It's doing the uh, tell instead of show on what's just happened. Yeah. It's doing the tell. In case you weren't, you know, paying attention or able to, you know, 
understand, uh, comprehend, interpret. interpret. You weren't able to interpret what just went on, so here's Mr. Psychiatrist to tell you. This, you so know. this was in 1960, right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't, obviously I don't know much about the 1960s or much about the 1950s, rather. But I, I almost think that you need that explanation at that time, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I, I, yeah. It's probably a dumb statement to make. But uh, so anyway, so yeah, it transpires that Norman is actually a psycho. Uh, who believes his mother to still be alive, and uh, he dresses up as his mother to uh, to kill his victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched this film in at university, and I remember it was like one of my first nights at university. I remember went on to some film screening, and I remember walking home that night and just it, it blown my fucking mind. I was just like, this is that's one of the best films I've ever seen, and I'm never gonna replicate watching that ever again. Yeah, I haven't actually seen. The original Psycho since then. Um, however, I did watch this unfortunate remake. So ah, let's get into the remake. So, Gus Van Sant's uh, Psycho in 1998, I went a long time just not knowing why. Because Gus Van Sant is a director I kind of admire. I don't like what, everything. What films has he made? So, he, the reason he was able to make Psycho was because of the commercial and critical success of Goodwill Hunting. Which I don't. Did really, he direct that? I don't really like it much, oh, okay. but I do like my own private Idaho, which was made in like nineteen ninety one or something. I think with River Phoenix. Um, I do like To Die For with Nicole Kidman. That might have been before this as well, before Psycho. Mm. He does. He, he does have a good thing the on the road. The point is, he can make good films. Uh, so, which is why I thought when you set out to do Psycho the remake, the sh- it, it's it's kind of called a shot for shot remake. So it's a remake with the exact same script. And they really don't change much short of it being in colour. Mm. All the camera movements are the same. Well, largely. no, no, no. Like, okay, the term short for shot appears to be a sort of shorthand to just say it's very fucking close. I think it's, no, no, no. I think it's like super similar, isn't it? Did you not see? Oh, I forget. Right. So I watched <laughs> this film simultaneously. Simultaneously. I had this on my laptop screen, the Gus Van Sant one, and I had the Psycho one. <laughs> the on good one Blu- on a TV. <laughs> on Blu-ray. Well, I couldn't play it in my, DVD, uh, in my laptop if I, if I wanted to. But, yeah, no, Psycho went up on the, the 1080p screen, and Gus Van Sant's one went in the laptop. It's not shot for shot. Is it? Okay. No, it's okay. not. And, it, you know, one takes one runs ahead of the other, and so there are different running times... They play catch up and all that. I didn't know that because I, I. So when I watched it, it genuinely felt like it was undoing all the good work of Psycho in my head as I was watching. <laughs> so as I was watching Gus Van Sant's color remake of Psycho, color contemporary remake. So it's set in 1998, I believe, but the characters mm-hmm. all weird, weird period clothing, and I think that's literally because of an error in the production. I Is think it? I, 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 I read that somewhere, and I couldn't find the source, but I think there was an error in production that people thought it was going to be a period remake, but it was literally... Uh, an updating. An updating, yeah. So <laughs> so half, so half. So the people that did the costumes were like, wait a minute, I thought this was a period piece, and yeah, Gus yeah. Van Sant was like, oh, it's too late now to undo the <laughs> So we'll just do it and pretend that it's a thematic thing, that people are stuck in the past. Yeah, there you mm. go. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, mm. so the original cycle was made in 1960, mm-hmm. uh, and it's shot in black and white, which it didn't need to be. So it's an inspired stylistic choice in the 1960s, because yeah. colour film existed from pretty much the 30s, I think, from the... Oh yeah, well, yeah, I think 38 is Wizard of Oz, right? yeah. So this film is in colour, uh, so... The stylistic choice of Psycho seems to be negated almost as though it's like, oh, this is the updated version. And it's like, no, it was chosen to not be in colour. It wasn't mm-hmm. limited by, oh, you f***ing idiot. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where you're trying to get your head around what the concept is because it's clearly a concept movie rather than just a remake that's like any other where it's like we're doing Godzilla again or we're doing something else again. You know, it's it's, it's not like that. It's, this is like Gus Van Sant is wanting people to think about why he's doing this. <laughs> and that's why I got really confused because I'm like, there, there isn't a good reason to do it. <laughs> yeah, but actually, get, right. yeah, so, Gus Van Sant, no, no, hold on. Gus Van Sant actually said his reason for doing it was so no one else would have to. And it's like, no one else wants to. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> this is, again, this is, this is more just like, that's more like, a, that, that is just such an obvious sort of arty, wanky thing to yeah. say. And in fact, what, what's more is that um, the, there's a TV program called The Bates Motel, which is yeah. literally a remake of Psycho. It's, it's a prequel and eventually becomes a remake of Psycho in which Rihanna, the singer Rihanna, uh, becomes the Marion Crane character. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I watched the first few seasons of that and was quite enjoying it. Oh, I'm really? going to get back on it again. I want to see Rihanna <laughs> take over the Marion role. That's oh, right. brilliant. There's, there's a twist to it, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Drying of conversation commence. Conversation is now dry. This is the Saturday Night Live Psycho remake without any comedy. You know, it's like because it's got recognizable faces in it. It's got Vince Vaughn. It's got Julianne Moore. It's an it's SNL sketch. It is an SNL sketch without any comedy in it. It's like you've made, remade Psycho as an SNL comedy sketch and then cut out all the jokes. The SNL sketch with no jokes. Thank you, Gus Van Sant. Going back to this film again, watching it recently. Mm. So you've just seen it listening to yeah, 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 yeah. I saw, but when it came out, I watched it and just went, "Oh, what?" Uh, you know, giving it a go again for the purpose of this podcast. I'm actually glad I did that now because I, I kind of begin to see where it, it could have been good or where it could have been an okay thing to have done. But Gus Van Sant isn't clear about. I don't think he's even clear in his own head about what 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 the good reason was to do it again. I don't know, uh, man, but. I do like in the making of there's cast and crew people talking just flippantly about it and they come out with phrases like trying to out Warhol Warhol and uh, trying to put a signature on a Xerox as a sort of thing. So if this film was actually closer to being shot for shot but did a one-up on everything that where it could, you know, Mm. like at the start, the camera goes into the room past the window which it couldn't do in 1960. Yeah, so Hitchcock wanted the opening shot to be a long shot uh, as the camera zoomed, uh, not zoomed, as the camera moved over the city and then went right into the apartment uh, window. However, he couldn't do that, so he did it with like a series of cuts that were dissolved together. Dissolved, Whereas yeah. this film... You can get all the way into that with the big helicopter But does shot. it add anything? I don't think it does. <laughs> but, you see, if this film had actually been a shot-for-shot remake really quite clinical and strict and outdone a, a few corners like that, just actually outdone it. And if it had a pop art sort of zany style rather than... you know, In my opinion, this film, for the most of it, appears like a TV movie. It's bland. It's bland. 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 Yeah, yeah. If it was actually had a, a pop art 
Kind well, of... the fact that it's in color robs it of the tension. So yeah. it's shot for shot. So so certain sequences are literally the shots are the exact same mm-hmm. as the as the movie, but it's in color and there's not really the same kind of eye for lighting. So there's no tension at all. There's no yeah. there's no unsettlingness. It's just a color shot. And even the way that shots are composed are it's not contemporary. So it just looks fucking weird. It's it's like a color rendition of something that was shot in the 1960s. Yeah. It's bizarre. And the music doesn't fit either because the music is obviously 1960s music. If the style stood up on its own, if the acting performances stood up on their own and you ended up with a film that was actually a shot-for-shot remake with its own strength, then I would have said, good job, actually. That was, that, you know, and because it plays the game of this is how 1998 can house the same story. But... Yeah, you know, it would have been okay. It would have been fine if you know if you were able to watch a performance of Norman Bates again and say that was another good performance of that character. <laughs> then Vince Vaughn. Be... Do we have we even mentioned this? Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates. Yeah, and Vince Vaughn. Yeah, he's crap. You know, he but really we'll maybe bad. get into that later on. But you know, just to finish on the point that I think that there was a possibility to tick boxes here that just didn't get ticked. Really, you know, like, people will just rubbish the idea, and they're probably right to do that, but in truth, if they were able to tick the boxes, then maybe it would have been, well, it was a good idea. So you always bring up up the idea that uh, remakes can be good sometimes, because you talk about The Thing. So The Thing is a remake of The Thing, but The Thing from John Carpenter's The Thing is fundamentally different. It's it's totally its own thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thing, 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 thing. And... So what I, f- I found this kind of interesting. Quentin Tarantino has talked about this remake of Psycho as uh, he likes it better than the original because he's a f***ing mental guy. He's, he's lying. <laughs> he likes it better than the original, apparently. And what I kind of find interesting here is that um, Tarantino's obviously not made a remake, but The Hateful Eight, which came out, I think, 2015. Is that right? It came out fairly recently, The Hateful Eight, the Tarantino film. He set out when making The Hateful Eight to make a film that captured or ran parallel to John Carpenter's The Thing. He wanted a film that would leave the audience with the same feeling he had when he left John Carpenter's The Thing. And I have to say, he so succeeded with The Hateful Eight. That movie is so amazingly similar to The Thing. And I, and I love it. Like it, I love The Hateful Eight so much specifically because of that. Because the things with the characters all suddenly dying is obviously not just thing. Something that's, it's not something that's exclusive to The Thing. But... The, just the manner in which it does it it's got Kurt Russell in it and uh, the ending where you're just kind of left in a bleak place in the middle of a snowed out abandoned place and you don't know if you're going to die or not at the end just things like that just mwah, mwah. Yeah, so, so, so what you're talking about is when core elements of films get kind of moved over into another area yeah transposed yeah. transposed yeah but this cycle thing right they didn't what, do that what you wanted to do was literally replay it's like a replaying exercise yeah. it's so sad and also, like, the updating thing, like, you, one of the things that defines this film as a 1998 movie is the sounds that you hear that are clearly dubbed in or overlaid. So the hotel room at the start, you can hear people shooting in the next room, and they're just, obviously, the sound of these people having sex in the next room is being ignored by 
Anne Hesch and Viggo oh, Mortensen. Right, yeah, yeah, because yeah. why you know why is it? It's not interesting that people are having sex in a hotel room in the afternoon in 1998. In 1960, that would have been a radical blooming. That's movie. weird. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. an uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's right. So it is. Yeah, yeah. So everything about the sound design is there to kind of tell you. Tell you this is 1998. You know, it's so bizarre. Yeah. I just saw your stereo, the stereo you use to listen to music. I saw it through your bedroom window. You didn't think I saw your stereo, but I did. And it's scrawny and pathetic and silly. I'm going to tell all the other girls in class about your scrawny little pathetic pathetic silly stereo and when you come into class on Monday you'll be laughed at by all the girls together we'll laugh at you on Monday when Marion has supper in the office of the Bates Hotel with Norman and they have that really weird conversation you can hear the sounds outside of coyotes and owls and crickets and that and it's underscoring what's happening here. So I do I do think that there was an attempt there to at least have one thing that was its own. Yeah. So there's a seat there's a private investigator involved in this film as well. Arbogast. Yeah. Yeah. Arbogast. And he's played by William H. Macy in this remake. And there's the scene where he goes into the house and gets killed by Norman's mother. With nudge, yeah, nudge, wink, Norman's wink. mother. Nudge, More wink, like wink. Norman. That one scene actually ticked the box of being stylistically good on its own terms, and it was a genuine replay of the original mm. one. Uh, so if the whole film had been like that, I would have said, "All right," but yeah. it's not so. See, uh, no. it's just I just the, t- the way that Tarantino worked the, for the hateful eight, and and you really, really do feel uh, how he uh, basically just literally, as, as we're saying, transposed the thing into a western setting and kind of just mess with it a little bit um i i would love to for someone to do this to, to cycle like i'd absolutely love for the same kind of structure to be used in a completely different setting and blow my mind in the like a high way. school uh something a, like that i don't know a teen romance that cycle remakes somehow. it's got cycle in it so like you know road trip how the guy goes on a road trip to another school to stop a tape from reaching his uh, his girlfriend oh, i haven't seen it yeah well that could be that could have been the start of a cycle, except with you know, if, if a woman was chasing after a videotape mm. and ended up in a hotel on the way. <laughs> nah, it doesn't. Uh, okay. No, nah, I don't know. Is that? Uh, uh, fuck uh, off! Don't spitball. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Vince Vaughn is actually piss poor in this uh, because Anthony, really Anthony Perkins, right? He plays the the role of Norman with a kind of a giddy. You know, <laughs> he's got such charisma. Yeah, yeah. You know, even when um, the people come looking for Marion, like his her uh, sister and secret love, come looking for her, and they're kind of doing the, the guy's playing in the intimidation game on Norman. Like you know, first time I've ever seen it. You know, he's a big barrel-chested guy. Isn't he? You know, normally when you don't have bags, you need to pay you know someone some money up in advance. And Nor- you know, Anthony Perkins as Norman says five dollars. And kind of like a total mock seriousness, and then his face breaks up into laughter again, you know, because he's just like, I don't take things that seriously. It's a fucking rundown hotel, you know, like that. So he's actually socially quite a likable person. 
That's but the point. That's the point. Yeah. That's why you would stay there overnight. That's why you wouldn't get back in your car and fucking drive away. And you don't assume. I, I genuinely, when I watched the film, I, I remember being like, I thought, I thought the guy was a psycho. I don't understand. <laughs> like when I watched Psycho originally, I was like, I thought the guy was meant to be the psycho. But what the? And then when it was the mum, I was like, oh, it's the mum pulling the strings. And then when they, obviously the plot turns itself around, and you're just like. Oh shit! I got had by a film that's fifty years old. It's, that, it's, is, that is amazing. That is. It is. Good. I mean, I did wonder what was going on up in that house the first time I watched it. Yeah, because you have no idea like, when he's like arguing with the mom. It's like a totally like. Are we about to see some really fuck. creepy? You know, like yeah, mother character sitting there speaking gibberish at someone. Yeah. But when Vera Miles goes up into the room, I'm just like, what are we going to see here? But it's, it takes a, a lot of memory jogging to remember that that's how powerful it was because obviously I've seen it about fifteen times or yeah. something. <laughs> Well, uh, I know that there's a, a lot of sequels to Psycho. Have you ever seen the sequels? I've seen, yeah, I've seen Psycho 2. Are they bad? 2. Psycho 2 is actually pretty decent. Psycho 2. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> Why does that exist, Psycho 2? No, it's a pretty decent is film. Is it as good as Psycho 1? No. Then but it doesn't need to exist. But it's good. It's better than Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Okay, okay. Probably. Because they turned it into like a franchise. They turned it into like, I think there's like four or five Psycho And films. Psycho 3 is like a, a, a total comedy as well. You know, <laughs> what the fuck? Um... Uh. So Psycho, uh, nineteen ninety eight. I did watch it side by side. There is, you know, and, and I just think that there's so many of inventive shots in the for, in the original film that I'm just like, why did you not the overhead shot? Oh, it's so good. It's the point when you're in the well, in the in the house. Oh. I thought the point of this one was to either replay it or if you're going to change it, do the one upmanship thing. Exactly. But to be really cocky and Andy Warholish, and I'm you know going to. You know what Xerox the Mona Lisa and put my signature on it. That sort of thing. If you're going to do that, you know why? Why, why is there scenes in this film that are clearly worse than the original? Yeah, exactly. Nothing and there's pops. you know like the scene where um, Vera Miles and but when the sister and the secret lover are in town trying to find Marion. And they knock on the door of the sheriff, and the sheriff answers the door late at night, and his wife's all got like rolls in her hair and all this. I don't know. And they're talking, and they're having a conversation about you know what might have happened. The conversation is now dry. At the Bates Motel and stuff like that, and there's a a two shot where it's going from the sheriff and his wife to the other couple, but. The sheriff's wife is visible in both two shots. Mm. So it's actually the two shot where the sheriff's wife somehow never leaves the scene. Mm. And I just thought that's such a, an inventive thing to do. Unsettling, right? Why did he not repeat it? And he doesn't repeat it. How weird. So I, I wish I'd uh, watched them play by What is the point in pretending to be ticking boxes when you're not actually ticking boxes? Yeah, who knows? I don't. I think. I, I almost think he made this film as a troll. Like, I, like why did he? This is so weird. Yeah, and he, he said that he'd, he'd had the idea and he was. It was kicking around, and as soon as he got the success of Goodwill Hunting, suddenly, you know, you know what, Gus Van Sant, you can make that psycho film. So you have to have you have to have a sick level of success to get away with shit, like total shit. Like, it doesn't matter if you're the director of. My Own Private Idaho and Drugstore Cowboy. You need to be the director of Good Pill Humping. And then it's like, there you go. <laughs> Just like a pill. This is Polish lesson number eight. Techna pravdiom, mui polski nie jest za dobry. Which means, in fact, I don't know much Polish.
Yeah, so Anne Hesh, what do you think of her? I like, I like her as an actress. Yeah, she's And the reason that she uh, did it, she hadn't. She said that she hadn't seen the original Psycho. And she did, <laughs> I just wanted to work with gas. Actually, no, to be honest, not watching it is probably is, is maybe good so that she could put her own spin on it. Because imagine she just completely impersonated, uh, what's her Janet face? Janet Lee. Janet yeah. Lee. Oh my goodness. No, no, no. Well, I quite like Anne Hesh as an actress, but again, I just don't I've think that she's... I've not seen her in anything else. Uh, she's just got a sass to her. She's, got, she's a good... Co- uh, she's actually really good... Uh, she's got some spunk. She's a good comical actor, I would say. She's okay. good in comedies. Yeah. Um, well, even if they just... Imagine they just remade it as a comedy or like... Or just, like, do something with it. Like, just do something. Oh, my god. You goodness. know, there's a scene... Justify um, yourself. So, Gus Van Sant is actually... Does the Hitchcock cameo thing in this film. He's, in, he's outside the office... When Marion goes to her work at the start of the film, he's outside the office. You can see the back of his head, and he's being shouted at by a Hitchcock lookalike. He's being finger pointed, told off by. I missed that. A Hitchcock lookalike is telling off Gus Van Sant. And I guess what he's saying to him is, Why the fuck are you remaking my movie? That's like, and Gus Van Sant. I'm turning in my grave. You know, that's why Gus Van Sant put this. You know, he's definitely. Yeah, he is. This is. This is me uh, doing this, doing the psycho thing, doing the Hitchcock cameo, and I'm going to get Alfred Hitchcock's lookalike to. Do you just call him Alfred Hitchcock? Because <laughs> he spends too much fucking time opening the fridge and eating Rustler's fucking hot dog. As we know from that film starring uh, Anthony Hopkins and Helen Mirren, there is also cal- <laughs> there is also calories in a shot of whiskey. Uh, There's calories in that too, you know. I actually haven't seen that. Is that is that the film Hitchcock? Hitchcock. Is it yeah. good? No. It's not good. No, it's crap. Oh. It's about the making of Psycho as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It's not and just Scarlett about Hitchcock. Scarlett Johansson plays Janet Lee. Is it not good? No, no. And uh, again, oh. because my uh, Psycho is my favourite film. Oh, I so you're going to be super critical. About I perhaps it. felt like this is not a good ode to yeah. Hitchcock or this film. <laughs> They do like alcohol awareness things uh, oh, yeah. where, yeah, where they hand out flyers and you get like the, um, what do you call it, the disc that tells you how many calories are in wine and how many calories oh, are in yeah, beer. Oh, yeah, yeah, As if uh, that's going to stop you. I think it's more likely to stop you than talking about no, liver right. damage. That's true. I remember getting told that at school it was like one pint is one Mars bar and you wouldn't have 12 Mars bars in a night, would you? <laughs> Imagine you had 12 Mars bars in a night. What would you do? You'd probably see the future. Yeah. You'd probably meet, like, <laughs> Jupiter. Well, you'd probably just feel very... Hello, Jupiter! Very fucking sick. Wouldn't you? You'd be very fucking sick. I remember when I was, I was like, 16, and me and my pal were, um... We, we just thought it was a really, really good idea to just buy a bunch of things that we really, really liked. Like, sweet things. And I remember just being like, I've never done this before. Why not? Why don't I just, like, buy lots of sweet things that I like and just eat them all? Like, like oh, what a good idea. So we bought all these sweet sweets, like, cakes and jam tarts and stuff. And I remember sitting down at the kitchen table with all this shit, and we just started scranning them. Just absolutely started munching away at this shit. And then about 20 minutes in, I started to feel really sick, and I was like, oh fuck, that's why. <laughs> that's, why I don't, that's why I don't do that all the time, because it's fucking bad for you. And do you feel like that... Like, the... like you only do that as a youngster, you know? You f- yeah, fuck, but fuck when you shit. did that, did you feel like you hadn't been forewarned? Or did you, I don't know. Did you feel like, oh yeah, you know what, I actually remember there being a class on this. So. <laughs> I, I, was, I was never really, I don't really eat sweet stuff. So I, <laughs> it was so fucking weird. Because I think it's a weird thing about... Uh, <laughs> what? 
<laughs> one of the weird things about being a human is is that you do things that you know are crap, and then you oh, go, yeah. and then you go, oh wait a minute, I yeah, knew, like I watch, knew why like this watch was Gus Van Sant's Psycho. I knew this was crap. Why am I doing it? Yeah. Julianne yeah. <laughs> Moore as well. She plays a more laconic version of. I don't that. think Juli- Julianne Moore does not age. She mm. really doesn't. The ageless beauty. She is an ageless beauty. I love an Julianne. Ageless, Moore. wonderful. You cannot beauty. beat Julianne Moore. And uh, she plays a laconic, laid-back... Uh, and this, this is, again, this is an updating. This is like, in 1998, you can still replay this film and it works. Uh, but the Julianne Moore version of the Vera Miles character is that she actually... The histrionic kind of hysteria that's kind of underpinning a lot of what mm. Vera Miles does isn't really there in 1998 because we're all so cynical that we, you know, we, don't, we don't worry about, you know... She's not dead! Come on! You know, even though there's you know multiple serial killerisms out there, you just you just don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm onto something there at all. Actually, I think that. I think even in 1960, if uh, I'm afraid this podcast comes to uh, an end. <laughs> Psycho. Oh. Other than just the uh, psycho, uh, <laughs> psycho, uh, it's psycho. Like-